pickaxe. Life-changing decisions can be hard, or they can be flexible, inclusive, and best of all, rewarding. Earn your master's in computer science, data science, or information systems at Northeastern University in the San Francisco Bay Area. No matter your experience, earn your degree. Plus, the desirable Bay Area is a smaller collaborative campus, but connected to the huge Northeastern University. Discover the different technology degrees available. Visit northeastern.edu slash pathways to tech. It, right. So like you can't have an identity logically. Like you can never discover yourself through logic. Who you are is experiential mm-hmm. on its yeah, fundamental yeah. level. And the, you started the interview with, you know, what do you do when your work becomes your identity? Like that's a logical exchange, right? So I can bucket you based on yep. your profession, mm-hmm. but that's not really who you are. Like that's the whole point of this discussion. So when you're yep. operating from this upper level of like, this is not who I am. I'm more than my work, whatever. Like you can try to, you can talk about it until you're blue in the face, but you're never going to discover mm-hmm. yourself that way. Welcome friend. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Um, so tell me a little bit about what do you what do you go by or how do you want to be called or addressed today? Yeah, sure. Andy is fine. Andy. OK, so welcome, mm-hmm. Andy. And is there something in particular that you want to talk about or anything that we can help you with today, Andy? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I could probably sum it up by uh, someone somewhere said um, the problem with society now is that when people ask you what you do, they're asking who you are hmm. and I'd probably identify with that. So I don't really have a self outside of my career. Okay. And that's kind of slowly dawning on me as time goes on. You don't have a self outside of your career. Mm-hmm. So I've done a bit of homework, right? So okay. uh, I, I watched a couple of, a couple more videos than usual. I'm not a, I've not watched everything. Um, and a couple of things stood out for me. So you, you kind of had a thought exercise, I think, um, you know, asking what do you enjoy? What do you, what do you, what interests you? What do you do for fun? When was the last time you were intellectually engaged? Uh, I don't, I can't really remember outside of work. Okay. Hmm. Which is probably part of the problem. Okay. And is this distressing for you in some way? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't. I guess I don't have a, a a me. I don't have an identity. And in terms of, so I, I kind of, I'm just floating down the river. Opportunities are coming my way through hard work, and I take them because that's the way the river's flowing. You've said things like this, I think, in the past about you know being an analyst and then blah blah blah. You're a exec. Yep. Um, and that's fine. And so that's what I'm doing. But it seems a bit hollow. So. It's like if I was playing Skyrim, but I was just learning how to be a blacksmith and there was infinite levels of blacksmithing. So I'm just I keep doing it. And there's this whole world there, but I need the next level of blacksmithing. And oh, when does it end? Well, it doesn't. You just kind of die one day. And what was your level of blacksmithing? What was your career position? It's kind of totally irrelevant. Got it. So I'm I'm kind of hearing you say that you know, you, you're climbing a ladder, but it's sort of like a ladder to nowhere. And there are a lot of other things to do besides going like kind of straight up. Like you can go north, south, east, east, west, you can sail, you Mm. can hike, but you're not doing any of those things. You're just climbing a ladder. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And the thing that's stopping me, uh, seems quite simple, isn't it? So just work less and figure out what you'd like to do. 
when I work less, I get anxious, really anxious. I think, you know, well, I don't deserve the job that I have. I, I'll never get the next step if I don't keep working. And part of this comes from, I mean, I, I say it a lot to different people. What frustrates me is there'll be a problem and I might solve it 80%. And it frustrates me that there was probably a perfect set of actions or words that would allow me to solve the problem completely for any, any scenario in the world, right? Whatever it is. And so I try to kind of outwork the, that issue because someone is smarter and they'll get 85% and someone else is quicker and they'll get 90%. How do you feel when, have you ever gotten a hundred percent? Yeah, I've been a hundred percent happy with, you know, solutions. You yeah. Know, you know. And how does that feel? Uh, yeah, like I put the work in and, and got the 100%, yeah. That's what you did. That's, yeah. how does that feel? Mm. Uh, like a relief. Okay. Do you feel then pride? Uh, no, no, not really. Okay. Relief for perfection. Mm. So when you, when you act perfectly or well it's not perfection but it's the closest human equivalent yeah. that andy well, can yeah. attain yeah. yeah and you feel relief okay like i i worked my deficits whatever they are for whatever the problem is or i did re that was that was good so mm -hmm. i outworked whatever the deficits might be lack of experience or whatever it is you know so you had certain shortcomings and you overcame them uh yeah everyone yeah. does Mm -hmm. Everyone does, really? Well, everyone has shortcomings, yeah. Yeah. Does everyone overcome mm -hmm. them? No. I'm not overcoming them all the time. I guess that's, that's the problem. It's kind of this hollow pursuit. Of... What's hollow about it? Well, so... Uh, what's hollow about it is... I'm, well, I'm not happy. How do so... you know you're not happy? Because mm. I feel the opposite. Okay. Tell me about that. Help me understand that. What do you feel? Uh, well, like, I don't know who I am. I, I don't have anything to offer personally. You know, I have a partner for seven years and work interferes with that and work is interfered with other relationships and, you know, ruined them and other stuff as well. You know, it's not, I'm glad I'm with you. I'm with, I don't have any regrets about not being with people in the past, but I'm not a very good partner, you know. Isn't that a problem you can work on? Uh, yeah, it is, but the, I'm compelled to remain industrious and keep, 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 Keep my foot on the pedal. What compels you almost. to do that? Don't know. It's okay. a compulsion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How are you feeling right now, Andy? Uh, yeah, fine. I noticed you started smiling somewhere in there. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, it... you just asked me why I was compelled, but I think, you know, 
that's I'm trying to say compelled because I don't know. It's just a automatic. Yeah. I think it's a very good word. I think it's a. Yeah. I'm getting that vibe from you that you're not really in control, but mm -hmm. you're moving. Like you're the one who's yeah. doing the moving. You're just not sure why. Like I don't get the sense that you're actually floating down a river. I think you're there's a river that's moving in a direction that's super shallow and you're actually walking down the river. Yeah, yeah. Floating down the river sounds quite relaxing, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, think that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. There's Maybe a certain... Swimming upstream, I don't know. Uh, does it feel like swimming upstream? Or swimming downstream? Upstream? I'm never going to get... You know, it, it's that... It's infinite, isn't it? You know, there's always, there's always another promotion or another step on the career ladder, so... You know, you, you, yeah, it's against the current, yeah. Yeah. So you're unhappy? Yeah. I know it's going to be a weird, hard question. How do you know? Because uh, I feel shit sometimes, and then I kind of get busy again. Ah, I see. So tell me about what you feel when you're feeling bad. Like, what, what is it? Like, what, what, how, if I were to be telepathic, or mm -hmm. so, could somehow inject my consciousness into your experience, what yeah. would feeling shit look like? What would I see? Is it thoughts? Is it physical sensations? Is it? It's like a, it's like an emptiness through a sense of kind of wasting your existence in the world. And, you know, you might have different views, but, you know, for me, just one life. So you need to kind of, live it and then I don't know how you know uh, and I have no, I don't have any passions really I'm passionate when I'm at work I'm really passionate and really empathetic and I, I put in the hours to help my team and try and make a try and change the culture and improve the culture and make every, every everyone have a good work-life balance and you know everyone's happy and as happy as you can be coming to work but it's I just don't have I'm flat outside of work okay can you tell me a little bit about your work? Um, and yeah, what do you want to know? So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. But actually, but before before we continue, I just want to make sure about a couple of things. So since we're going to be talking about work, I just want to make sure that what you share today is not going to like get you in trouble at work. No, it won't. I won't say any. Okay. It, it won't, you know, I'm not hearing I, anything bad about your job, by the way. Just no, so, no, yeah. and if you know. It, no, it's it, it's not my job. It's me. You know, it's not the, the it's not it's not work instructing me to overwork. It's yeah, in yeah. fact quite opposite. You know, I get told by people to just relax and do less. You know, what does that feel but, like? No, it's easier easier said than done, isn't it? Sure. What what causes people to say that to you? Um. I don't know what ha what happens before they say it. Yes, exactly. Um, I'll be discussing a problem in a lot of depth, or I'll wanting I'll be wanting to solve something as it arises when it's not necessarily urgent and important. It might just be important. Sure, I, I see. So you're working hard, and I'm getting mm -hmm. the sense that sometimes maybe there are people around you who in your shoes would not work as hard or wouldn't be solving non-urgent issues that are important. So, 
So like yeah, you don't have, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah. So can you tell me just like what, what you do? Um, yeah. So I'm kind of relatively senior manager of a large territory of depots. Okay. Uh, tra transport hubs. Okay. So I have a, I have a region that I manage with, uh, managers within there and, and then teams of drivers and how did you can you tell me a little bit about how long you've been in this field uh yeah Set, 10 years 10 years in the in the field yeah and what what was the first thing you did in the field can you like walk me through a little bit about your career trajectory yeah sure so uh i used okay i used to I used to work from home doing something different, making not very much money, but you know, it was actually editing, you know, manuscripts and things like that. And that's why I love, and I think I still have it. Well, it's why I loved to do, I guess. I'm not sure I love it now. I don't think that was a slip of my subconscious. Uh, yeah. You can't, you can't say that you love something. Yeah. yeah Andy, yeah. that's not no, allowed. No, no, I just, I, I'm not sure if I, I, I don't think I do now. I don't think it's relatively, okay. I, don't think, I don't think it's important to success to be grammatically correct. People okay. above me are, right? but, but anyway, I started as a, uh, you know, an admin assistant, a bit of a bitch, you know, just do whatever anybody wants. Mm -hmm. um, and very quickly be, began managing the site quite luckily. And my okay. dad got me that job. That was pretty lucky. So I kind of happened upon it and then worked hard to get the, you know, be the manager. It just kind of happened, actually. Sure. I didn't try and didn't work towards it. It just kind of fell in my lap, actually. And and so you were an admin assistant. Then you start, sort of, it sounds like you applied yourself there. N not, not really, actually. I just happened to be good at it at the time. So okay. at the time, I'm... Maybe I look older than I am. At the time, I'm, I was 21. Uh, I didn't really care that much, you know. Kind of sure. go and live life and ha have you know girlfriends and whatever. Go out drinking with your friends and things. So I probably wasn't a very good employee, but I did get lucky and get the the job. Yeah. Okay. Once I got the job, uh, you know, turned put the pedal down. I guess. Help me understand that. What changed when you became a manager? I think I've just said that, and that's not true. I think I'm kind of as though I'm in an interview, so I'm trying to my career, and I'm trying to, I'm automatically probably giving you a, a different version there. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't apply myself actually. So I was still, I recognized the opportunity, and I did work harder. But I also still was only 21, so I didn't have the skills to do the job, but they gave me the job anyway. And I did my best really. Okay. So that's interesting. So it sounds like you're very good at noticing what you convey to other people. And even though you may say something initially from like a narrative perspective, you're actually able to like go back and say, and kind of like self edit and really share something that's more correct. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know why I just did that. It was kind of a reflex of, well, I mean, my girlfriend says to me sometimes, I'll just use her name, it's Michelle. 
um, that I'm managing her. So we'll be having an argument or just a disagreement. She'll say, you're managing me. And she's probably right. My language is still, you know, I don't have a, usually or very rarely have a, when I'm at work, I speak a little bit differently than this, right? I kind of speak a bit slower and a bit higher pitched and not intentionally, but you know, you just do because I have a Northeast accent. A lot of people don't understand it. Uh, and yes, yeah, sometimes I speak to Michelle like that, I guess. How do you, how, how does she know your, what, is it like the tone and pitch of your voice or the language you use or what? Probably both. Yeah. Okay. Probably both. Okay. Mm. And then do, can yeah. you stop once she points it out to you? Well, at the time I say, well, I'm not, you know, I don't realize that I am. So I'm not, <laughs> okay. but, I probably, but I probably am. Yeah. So where where you've been promoted to manager at 21, you're yeah. doing better in terms of applying yourself, but you really haven't become the person that you are today. No, no. What when happened next? Then I, I started to receive promotions, I guess. Uh, I don't know. When did I kind of, when did this happen? <laughs> I don't know. You said you started to receive promotions. That sounds to me like don't floating downstream. Like, oh, like I walked into work today and there was someone was like, here, Andy, have a promotion. And then like a week yeah, later, okay. you're like, oh, here, Andy, have another promotion. If only, yeah. No, so, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, am I audible, by the way? Because I'm kind of slipping into this droll tone. <clears throat> so I, I'm, I think I have COVID, by the way, which is sounding a bit rough. Okay. Um, so, yeah, well, I earned them, I guess. So I was the best person at the time. Okay. To that person. Do you feel proud of that? Um, I feel an element of pride that I am in the position I am now at my age. It's quite unusual, I think. What's unusual well, about it, your position at your age? Um, no, no, none of my peers, all my peers are you know, 20 years older than me, at least. I hope none of them watch this. Maybe it might not be 20 years, but it looks to be 20 years. <laughs> okay. So so it sounds like you're quite senior. Can you give us a sense of, and I'm trying to figure out if you're, help me understand what, what how, how big of a manager are you? I've put on 30 pounds in the last two years, so quite big. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, like how many people do you manage? Um, so the team has maybe 200, 250, maybe more. So it fluctuates, but about that. Okay. So I asked you a question, how many people you manage? And what was the mm. subject, since you're an editor, what was the subject of the word of the sentence that you responded with? Well, my direct reports is, are you asking me how many direct reports I have or how many people I manage? Because I would, I, my sphere of influence or duty of care is all of them, right? Yeah. How does it feel to say that? Um, well, a bit, a bit, a bit cliche. What's it's a bit corny, isn't it? 
Well, it's a bit corporate, isn't it? You know, oh, I, I, I feel a sense of care for all my people. But it's true, I do, you know, so... Yeah, so it's weird because I so I asked you how many people you manage. This is what I was zeroing in on. You didn't say I manage two hundred fifty people or I'm responsible for two hundred fifty people. You said the team is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you see the difference between those two things? Well, yeah, they're not my direct reports, so I don't manage them all. Thankfully, you know. Yeah. So, so I think that there's that element to it, but I'm noticing that like you remove the first person from a lot of what you say, especially if it has to do with like, like you're like annoyingly humble. Okay. And I don't mean like I'm personally annoyed by it, but I mean like, it's like, it's Mm -hmm. excessively humble. Right. What do you think about that? Annoyingly was a bad word. No, no, it's, I'm not, you know, I don't, that doesn't sting me at all. Um, what do I think about that? Hmm, I don't know. It kind of is what it is. I am where I am. Okay, good. So, so, and I think this is where, you know, you, you make, com- so like there are other people, I'm guessing you're somewhere around 30. We don't have to get into your exact age. Um, 31, 31, very, very important, you know. Okay. So, so I think there are a lot of 31 year olds who, if they were responsible for managing, let's say 250 to 300 people would be egotistical about it. Right. Uh huh. So you're, you kind of point out, and I, I think you sort of own these as facts. You're just like, my peers are 20 years older than I am. So like, okay. The reason I'm zeroing in on this is because like, if we think about your problem is you don't know who you are. So we're dealing with issues of identity. Mm-hmm. And personhood. Yeah. And so some people get egotistical if they're 30-year-old hot shots. But your pendulum is swung the other way. Mm. Right? Which is, I, I still think it's like off balance. Because I'm noticing that it's almost like I, I really have to like dig to get you to own something good that you've done. Like you're very like, there's there's a third person-ness or a passivity that I'm noticing is like a theme. Does that make sense? Like I, you know, I kept yeah. getting, like people kept giving me promotions. It's like, no, I mean, yeah. you probably earned like, you see what I'm saying? So, so I, I can see that. I, so a piece of that is that, okay, I don't want to come across as arrogant and I'm not genuinely arrogant. Fine. But I'm wondering where, since you don't know who you are, it's almost like you're removing yourself from the, from your statements. I think a part of me is thinking, and the chances are really slim, you know, let's say someone who knows me is watching and then says, you fucking fathead, you know, Uh, I guess I'm just realized that that's in the back of my head. Yep. Right. So that's good to realize that. Yeah. But, but I don't, but I don't, I think that I don't care about that though. I wouldn't care if someone thought that. Yeah, it's in my head. So uh, yep, I, I, it's absolutely shaping your language. I, I think that anyway, okay. right? So so like, and and that's sort of how this works. But what, what, you want to say something? Well, objectively, you know, I'm doing really well. I know that. You know, <laughs> I don't have much more to add there. Do you the feel object- pride there? I feel lucky. I feel fortunate. There's that passivity again. You see that? 
there isn't any you in the equation. Well, you've got to be good, but you've got to be lucky. So there's lots of elements of luck in my career. I've had, I've been lucky to have good, good bosses. Sure. I've been, I've been lucky to have, you know, be ready at the right moment for something that was, you know, really unusual to have occurred in the business. Sure. So, so I agree with you that you've got to be lucky and you've got to be good. Which one do you keep talking about? Yeah. Being lucky. Yeah. Right. So like, I'm, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just pointing it out to you. Yeah. So, so, and once again, cause we're sort of saying like, I don't know who I am and like, we're not hearing anything about you. I mean, the way that you talk about this, mm. you know, you'll, you'll yeah. sort of like, you know, I didn't work very hard. My dad got me like, so you share that detail. You mm -hmm. share like the one detail from the last 10 years that you don't get to take any credit for. Interesting. Yeah. And I imagine over the last nine or 10 years, like you've done something. Right. And if I push you on it, you'll admit it because you kind of know that that's right. But there's something going on in your mind that removes you from the equation. Okay, so I guess I feel it's all, it, it could all just go, you know, I could fuck up or something could happen and it all just falls down. I'm not, so while I'm saying I, I don't have an identity um, and my identity is my work, I also feel like that can go at any moment. So yeah, that it's not, it's not, so it would be, it would be. So I don't feel like I, I don't feel like there's anything to brag about because it can just go, you know, it yep. can just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Let's dig into that for a second. Okay. And I got to ask you about your upbringing at some point. Don't let me forget. So okay. let's think about what your mind is doing by no. So what I'm hearing you kind of say is, okay, I I'm pointing out to you, Andy, you're not letting yourself have an identity or any kind of pride about work, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sort of saying you're removing yourself from that equation. Is that clear? Yeah. We're, it may yeah. not be right. Let's, let's yeah, be, no, it's, okay. Yeah, it's so probably right as well. If it could all go up in smoke, how does that tie into your mind being unable or trying to resist giving you a work-based identity? Can you repeat that? Yeah. It's, I'm, this is a sort of a, I'm pushing you here. I can just explain it. No, say it again, just say it again, just say it. So you, so I asked you, why don't you let yourself have an identity about work, right? Why don't you own your, why don't you feel pride? You sort of admit, I can grudgingly push you into admitting that you're proud. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, I keep getting lucky. My dad got me the job. I just kind of showed up. I don't know. I'm the youngest, like a manager of 250 people at the age of 31. And everyone else is 50. Like, I don't know. I got lucky. Right. So there's no, there's no ownership pride. Okay. So then when I ask you about that, you say, well, it could all go up in smoke. Mm -hmm. So how are those two things related? What is your mind doing by not letting you be proud of your work? <clears throat> if I, if I draw a painting, paint a painting, uh, it's there, you know, I've done it. It's just a, a, a mo it, 
it's tangible and it and it exists. It might get you know burnt down or whatever, but it ex it exists and you did that. You know, a painting you could. <laughs> I'm trying to think how you destroy a painting, but yeah, it sure. gets burnt down or whatever. But you did that, and it's just it's this thing. It's a snapshot. It's done. The career is ever moving, isn't it? So sure. It's, there's not a there's not a there's nothing it obtained. I'm struggling yeah. with my life, but it feels like there's not an, there's not. A, I'm, I'm struggling. No, I, I, you're doing great. So I, I think you've conveyed it. So what I'm getting is that with a painting, it's tangible, mm -hmm. right? You can say I built this. Mm -hmm. So there's something concrete that your pride can rest on. There's a foundation. Yeah. yeah. But a career is fluid. Mm -hmm. And if you were to base your identity or take pride in your work, what does that open up, open you up to that a painting, you know, cause a painting is safe in that way. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Well, you, you've, you get wrecked, don't you? Absolutely. Hmm. So I think that's important because I, I wonder if what you're doing is like you're not letting yourself have an identity that could be taken away from you. Well, I don't want my identity to be work, though. Okay. So that's fine, too. We'll mm -hmm. get to that in a second. But yeah, are you okay with a part of it being work? Well, yeah, it's, you know the majority of my time so it will be won't it it will be part no of i mean you're actively fighting against that right so that's that's because you don't own what you do at work mm -hmm. i mean you do okay. like practically but like mm -hmm. uh, you know i i think what's going on here is that that i think you're afraid of letting a piece of your work uh, your identity be your work for two reasons one is because you don't want it to you're afraid maybe that all of your identity will be work-based then and you don't want to be one of those people and you're trying really hard to not be one of those people which is good in a sense but i think the other part of it is that i'm sort of getting a sense that you don't want your identity to be, to be based on something that isn't a strong foundation because if if work blows up in your face then your identity goes with it yeah okay what do you think about that Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I, if I kind of built my ego around it, that would, that would be unfortunate, wouldn't it? Yes, that would be. And I don't think you're willing to risk that. What do you think? I don't know what attaching my ego to work looks like to, I can't even, I can't even comprehend it really to to understand to answer you okay so i can't i don't i can't uh i can't understand what avoiding that is looking like other yeah. than through the conversation yeah, yeah yeah okay that makes sense so that that's that's a, a completely acceptable answer so i'm mm -hmm. going to just sort of ask you one kind of like question one more time do you let yourself feel pride Yeah, I'm 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 really competitive, you know, and I, in, with shallow things, you know. If I 
make a better sandwich so you know any, anything you know you know hell yeah i tied those shoes you know yeah. okay how do you feel when you do that uh yeah good usually it's jovial isn't it well always yeah yeah so you're competitive so there's usually there so that means that like you take pride in things when you outperform other people oh definitely yeah especially at work yeah but secretly <laughs> you know okay so i'm racing and no one else knows huh i'm i'm kind of racing and no one else knows what does that feel like to be no but uh silly i guess yeah what's silly about it um well it's not a real victory is it if no one else is racing you but i like to be try to be you know the best at whatever it is whatever it is you know anything and the only thing and, the, and i've had to let go of that a little bit just for time uh, i'm spending too much time at work so i have to think sometimes just think fuck it just send it out or you know relatively inconsequential things why do you think you compete with other people who don't know that they're competing well everyone's competing really everybody it's a you know every, everyone has a ranking of competency don't they sure yeah. and so but... it's just chipping away at that not chipping away at them but kind of chipping my way up yeah, so I, I uh, Andy, this is going to be hard, but I hear two parallel conversations. Mm -hmm. So there's like the reality of things, which your mind says logically. And then sometimes when we're talking to you, you dig a little bit deeper and there's like more emotion. You'll start to grin, right? And then Yeah, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. You know, I'm trying. But... Yeah, I think you're doing great. I don't mean to imply that. You're, what I'm saying is that I, I think this yeah. is exactly what's going on is that you've got this surface level conversation. And then sometimes yeah. if we ask the right question, like we'll get some life. We'll okay. like, you know, you know, and, and so then you'll kind of grin and you'll sort of say like, it's not really fair if, if you're running, a, you're the only one who knows you're running a race. Right. And there's almost this like mischievous yeah. little, yeah. but, but I, I, I get, I get life from you there. And then mm -hmm. if I ask you about it, you'll go to like, oh, I'm, trying well, to, I'm, I'm trying to think really hard to answer the question. Yeah. And that, I don't want. I have. I have a bad habit of joking too much, personally, but personal life. Okay. Not. Um. You know, never serious. Blah 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 has been the motif in my personal life, probably. So, can you just take something seriously? Whereas at work, it's actually the opposite. You know. What What's the opposite at work? Uh, not as. Well, more serious, more stoic, pragmatic. So you joke too much in your real life and you try to rein that in? Yeah. Well, I don't try. It just, it just happens now, I guess. I don't think, well, I won't say that. Actually, sometimes I do think that, yeah. Oh, I won't say that. That'd be really funny, but I'm not going to say that. Sometimes it's really immature, like that's what she said, but you just can't say those things in, in the type of meetings I'm in. I would love to, but... Yeah. Yeah. 
Can I think for a second? Yes. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Can you tell me a little bit about um, what what your what growing up was like for you? Yeah, really good. Great childhood. Tell tell me about that. Um, uneventfully stereotypical, you know, going out with friends and doing whatever until it got dark, you know. I sound like a boomer a little bit, maybe. I'm not a boomer, I'm 31, but, uh, you know, just going out and doing stuff before that, you know, had... had. You sound like a boomer because you used the word out. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm envisioning that you were outside with other humans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which makes you yeah. a boomer, because <laughs> that's what yeah, the boomers boom. did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, going out and playing and coming back and getting dirty and having my own room and had a PC and my dad did everything he could to, you know, buy things for us. Okay. So what was your family situation like at home? Uh, yeah, mum and dad in love, you know, for the most part, yeah. And any siblings? Uh, yeah, uh, a brother, yeah. Um, and are your, and it sounds like your dad worked and your mom was at home? Uh, for the most part, yeah. In in memory, yeah. I think she worked a little bit when I was really young, but for the most, yeah, yeah. So my dad worked all the time, and I'm modeling myself off my dad, and I'm working loads, you know. Uh, yeah. Are yeah. you? I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think so, yeah. So, well, so, I, like I said, I try, I don't self-reflect, but I tried to ahead of the call, you know, just sit down and think about stuff. You don't self-reflect? Well, I do, I do in my career. <laughs> I do in order to, you know, what skill do I need for whatever's next? But okay. I don't really self-reflect at home until until I've realized, well, I'm not fucking happy here. What the hell's going on? I need to do something about it. Which, And then I was just happened to be on YouTube, saw one of your videos again, thought I'll just, I'll ask the man, you know? Sure. So, so yeah, so then I did some self-reflection and I kind of thought about, you know, my dad and... Well, actually, first of, first of all, I moved from what makes me happy to what makes me sad because I couldn't think of a lot of things that made me happy. And the main thing I could, the main thing I came up with is, is films. I don't know if it's superficial to cry at a film and that's not like real emotion or something, if it's tapping a vein of something. But I kind of wrote down the films that made me cry. And they're all films. So one is Fences. Have you seen Fences? No. It's it's a film with Denzel Washington in, which is not relevant, uh, and he's a. Uh, it's the nineteen something twenties or thirties or something like that, and you know, he's a obviously a a, a black man. He's a, a parent of a son, and I, I do forget the, the what time it was, but essentially the dad is living in one world, which is the world where things are not fair and you know he'll he will only advance so far because of systemic racism and the sun is you know there's still it must not we can't be 1920s but he's kind of getting a potentially a football scholarship and he's living in a slightly different world with slightly more opportunities still fucked you know still not right but and then so they're different in that way and there's a scene 
there's a scene in that film where he says to his dad, you know, why don't you like me? Right? Because the dad's just on him all the time to be disciplined and stuff. And there's no parallel there for my dad, by the way, but he says, I don't have to like you. I fucking, I work all day. I put clothes on your back. I feed you, you know, who says I got to like you? Who, what lawyer said that said I got to like you? It's all this kind of, it's just duty. And anyway, he's not happy. He cheats on his wife. It's all fucked. Everyone hates him. It, but all he's done is, is, is he just worked and worked and worked. And he dies, obviously, because everyone does in the film. And it's just so tragic that he's just worked and worked with a sense of duty, worked and worked, and then he's just fucking dead. Not only is he dead, but the people he worked for, as in his family, kind of hate him or hated him at one point. You know, I'd not seen the film for a while, but that, that was bawling my eyes out like never before at that film and thought immediately that my dad just works all the time and worked for the family and... Um, it was there was a so there's a parallel with the work ethic but not with but he wasn't he didn't treat sure. me in that way you know. so you never felt like your dad didn't like you no never no. yeah and uh no loved me unconditionally no matter what yeah absolutely yeah. And, and then you know other it was just other films and they were all about fa father-son relationships i i guess it's a bit weird what's weird if about i speak that? to my well it's just weird isn't it that's a really specific thing to just tap at to have a toothache about you know okay if you say so <laughs> I, I don't think yeah. so well, so well it's you it, it's no. so it seems like those kinds of they strike a chord with you yeah, they strike a chord with me. Yeah, they hit a they hit a nerve. You know, that's why I'm saying toothache. You know, they just yeah, yeah. And but yeah. Wh why do you think that's weird? Because I don't know why. Okay. Every, so, everyone so, will have a nerve, but it won't be that. It'll be some people will, but for others it'll be something else. May, maybe the reason it's weird is because it actually does not mirror your experience. Because you do have a dad who loves you and supports you and stuff like that. Yeah, but the bit that's tragic is just working and working and working and working and then he'll die one day, right? So I speak to my dad now, right? And, and he works, he's changed careers and he he works Monday to Sunday every week, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, 17 hours. He just keeps working. He can't sit down and watch a film unless it's Spartacus. He might, he might watch that. But other than that, he just works all the time. And I, I say to him, don't you want to stop? And he'll say, oh, I'll just make money for your mum and then I'll... when I'm dead, she'll have enough money to be okay. That's what he says. Kind of half joke, but he's still doing the hours, so it must be true. And what do so you I, think I, about that? Well, it's fucking tragic, isn't it? I wish my dad would come on a, a sh a, this show, but he never, ever would. Because that would be great, stopping from what? working all the time. But then I'm doing the same, I guess, which is, I guess, what I'm here. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I don't know if, if, I don't know if what resonates with you is your relationship with your dad. I think what you, what could be resonating with you is your relationship with your son. Well, he's, he's in a sock on the floor. I don't have one. Yeah, not yet. Mm. But what do you think you're afraid of? Well, 
being... what would it like if you had a son? Mm. What would it be like? What would your relationship well, you might... with him like? Well, I'd be a pretty good dad, I think. Would you be working 12, 14, 15, 16 hours a day? No, I don't. I don't. That, I don't do that. Okay. I don't work that much. My dad never used to work that much. That's a new thing. It's kind of last few years. He used to work a lot. He used to work away, you know, uh, truck driving. So kind of be out at night and things. But he was a he was around he was around you know sometimes. Yeah. What was it like having a dad who was around sometimes? Um. Unimpactful. I don't know. I, I think. You know, there's different parts of your childhood that you remember more, right? So I, yeah. I do have memories of, you know, uh, oh, we would we were doing this on this day. We were going to the shop. We were going to buy some Pokemon cards or something. But then he's busy, so he's not going. I've got a few memories like that. But for the most part, he's around and we did stuff. Yeah. Different times of the, my life. I'm hearing that he was a good dad. Yeah, it was great, yeah. But there's a kind of sacrifice, sacrificial element to it, don't you think, in being a parent? Sure. I'm not one. What, what do you yeah. think he sacrificed? Well, well, it's like the guy from Fences. It's your, your duty is to just crack on and keep working, even if the job's shit. You just got to work, haven't you? Because your kid wants new Nike tra sneakers. You know? Sure. So what did he sacrifice? Uh... I don't know, whatever his passion was. It wasn't truck driving. Right. Yeah, so I, and that's kind of tragic, isn't it? Uh, that is a tragedy, but that's, a, that's kind of a shared tragedy, isn't it? That's the human experience, I think, for the most part. So it's a bit muted. Well, it sounds like it's your dad's experience and possibly yours. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. But I'm not working through a sense of duty. I'm working through a sense of anxiety really if i stop i'll freaking start getting worried what happens when you try to take a break work mounts up does that, it really well, okay. uh or does it feel like like when people say you can relax or that you can work less and you said you get anxious and then you talked a little bit about feeling like you don't deserve things Hmm. Well, it just comes back to the that kind of fluid fluidity of a, your career, and it can end at any moment. Well, not not if I can help it, you know. Can I think for a second? Yeah, please. This is tricky, Andy, because I think I have a sense of what could be going on. I just don't know. Do you, do you think that films can be formative for you? If I think about something like The Lion King, which is, I know this is really silly, always been my favorite film of all time and always will be. And that's the same, isn't it? So that's, you know, I'm sure, have you, have you seen The Lion King? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's, again, the same thing, isn't it? Sense of duty, you die for your son, that thing. Yeah. Is that formative? I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know why that ended up on my notes when I was kind of brainstorming, but okay. it was just this, this connection between fences, which made me ball my eyes out, and The Lion King. It's kind of roughly the same. It's just a dad who sacrifices everything. 
So what I'm hearing from you is that in your life, there is not an experience that clearly ties into what deeply resonates with you about film. Yeah. That's why it's weird. Yeah. That you yeah, feel yeah. the most alive watching these movies. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. Most What's alive. Your... I don't know. Probably. Yeah. That stings a little bit, but you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there something I should have asked you about? Um, that's a good question, isn't it? But no. Okay. So like, there isn't like I something that some experience, nah. like how does your dad feel about the work that you do? Really proud. Yeah. That my mom and dad are really proud of me, you know? What's yeah, it like? My, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, they, they, they love me. You know, my mom finds me you know, the funniest person in the world. But not so much to Michelle, you know, who's, you know. She doesn't really think my Lion King impressions are very good, but my mum does, you know? Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I have any skeletons in the closet or, you know, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I'm getting that sense. So, how do you think it would feel to be Mufasa or Denzel Washington? Uh, pretty tragic. Well, no, Mufasa is not tragic. That's a little bit different, isn't it? But Denzel Washington, uh, yeah, the, the dad in Fences. Yeah, it'd be pretty brutal, wouldn't it? You just waste your life and then you're dead. I mean, that's what we're, that's what you're doing, yeah, no, right? That's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That's why, yeah. I, that's why I'm saying that resonated with me is because, oh, well, I don't think I was saying that, but I realized I've said, that's what I've said, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're talking about. So I don't think it's weird at yeah. all. But it's not a sense of duty. I don't have a sense of duty to anyone. I don't have a, a kid. I'm not working so when my kid's born, I'm working six figures. Are, are you going to... I mean, you don't have to answer this, but have you thought about having children? Mm, only only when self-reflecting. Only because I, I noticed that the films that made me cry, you, there's a relationship... There's a there's a father son or a mother or, or a father daughter relationship or a mother daughter relationship in some of them, and all my favorite films actually kind of have that relationship in them. Like Interstellar is all about father's love for his daughter, isn't it? And yeah, that, that a, scene where he's like yelling at himself not to leave and all yeah, that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, powerful yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, 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 things like that. Yeah, yeah. Andy, what's your Help me understand. Are you like religious or spiritual? What are you? No. Is it the fleece? What? Is it the fleece that gives you that that made you ask that? Or no. the glasses? Okay. What is the fleece and the glass? Is that a joke? I, I don't get the joke. No, no, it's not a joke. No, no, no. <laughs> Someone asked me if I was a vegan uh, when I had this fleece on with these glasses, and I suppose they are a bit hipster. But I don't mean to insult religious people that they're hipsters, by the way. Apologies no, I... if I'm not religious at all, not in the slightest. Okay. Um, and what do you think happens after you die? Dead, aren't you? Nothing happens. How confident are you in that? 
yeah, hundred percent. Well, you know, technically everyone's an agnostic who's an atheist, aren't they? But you know, ninety nine point nine percent. Okay. Uh, you know, I wish it wasn't the case. You know, I wish I could take a pill and believe in the afterlife. That would be great, wouldn't it? I I, I don't know. I've never thought about that. So let me. Okay. So here's here's the thing. I'm not sure that asking you more questions. So sometimes I interview someone and like it's pretty easy to tell what's going on and we kind of crack the, the nut pretty simply. I, I think okay. I have a good sense of what's going on. I don't know that I'm going to be able to ask you a series of questions that will get you there. Okay. I think I can explain it to you. But I don't know that Socratic questioning, I can't see a way to get you to where I think you are. I can explain it me, to you. Me. Yeah. yeah, just tell me. I'm just going to, yeah. so it's just, it's different because sometimes like we get there through like realization and questioning, yeah. but like, so what I'm going to offer you is something of like a hypothesis mm. and the hypothesis is going to have some stuff that I think is like pretty reliable and some stuff that is completely unreliable and out of this world. Okay. So the first thing is that I think you actually systemically move away from yourself. Like... You know, you feel hollow and dead inside, and we actually see that. Like, if you go back and you just watch your face, like, don't even listen to the words. Yeah. Like, watch this video on mute. And even now, like, I'm scratching something, right? So when I, like, you're hollow and dead inside, you're like, yeah, that's me. Right? And maybe there's a joke, something like no, that. No, no, so, no. No, no, no. The joke is a good thing. It, it, it's No, I, that's it's just life. That's just no, no, that's just, you know, that's what people say, you know, sometimes this, I just look miserable. I'm not miserable. Well, no. I, well, I am because I'm on the show, but I don't feel miserable at the time when people say, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Yeah, I'm so, just so, so let's talk about, so this is the two layers that I'm talking about. So let's talk about misery for a second. Mm. So I think part of the reason, like I, the other theme I'm kind of getting is like, there's two layers of you. One is like yep. the logical and you say, well, I'm not miserable, but I am miserable. It's like all these statements mm. that you make that run contrary to there's like, there's like the logic of you. Well, I have a lot to be grateful for. And I'm, I, you know, I worked hard. Sure. Like, cause I, I work hard and people say I should work less, but I don't deserve what like, there's like just this two, it's just two things. And one of mm -hmm. them is like literally like deadpan. Like your, your tone is low, your voice is low. Maybe yeah, it's the COVID, yeah. maybe it's the accent. But if we ask around, like, here's the thing, here's the dynamic I've noticed. I'll see some life and then I'll ask a follow-up question and then it'll get quashed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll, uh, like, are you miserable? I don't feel miserable right now, but there's a, there is something that needs working on, yeah. Right? So even, like, if you pay attention to your face, first half of the answer, very little. Second half of the mm. answer, more. Okay, right? yeah. So, so misery exists on two levels. So there's, like, well, this is the, the big problem with, I think, modern psychology. Well, not, I mean, modern psychology is catching up. But if you look at Buddha, Buddha, right? So he sort of, he used this word, Sanskrit word, duk. Duk means suffering. And we in the West tend to think more about emotions and pain, mm -hmm. but we don't, it's my experience that suffering and contentment is exists at a different layer from like emotions and pain. And the best way to understand this is watching a tragic movie because emotionally 
it's tragic. You're sad. You're crying. Mm -hmm. But it feels good. Right? It's kind of weird. So what I'm sort of noticing is that on the surface level, you have no complaints. Things are good. You're not like miserable. Your health is pretty good. You have a good relationship. Your parents love you. Mm -hmm. Right? So what the fuck do you have to complain about? But Mm. like underneath, there's like emptiness. And then so there's this dichotomy, first of all. Okay. Second thing is that you actively move away from this bottom layer. Okay. So I'll just toss out different things. Like, I I just don't like, you're a joker, Mm. right? In your heart of hearts in here, you're Mm -hmm. a joker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when you have a joke, what do you do with it? Yeah, well, it depends where I am. But yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to concentrate. I'm trying to use my logical part of my brain to talk and absorb. And I don't want to kind of it's like, oh, that's a funny joke. Don't go away, you know. <laughs> oh, that's a funny joke. Exactly go. right. So 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 when you try when you push away your jokes, right? And there's like a good reason for that, right? So like you don't want to get into like sexual harassment yeah. cases in, in, in the workplace. No, I mean, I mean, right now, I mean, right now, you know, I'm trying to focus on, I want to, I want to be. No. So I better. want you to make jokes. Any right, joke okay. that comes into your mind for the rest of the interview. I will put a filter on for your stream's sake, but yeah. <laughs> yeah thank you. TOS. Yeah. yeah. But like, if you have a joke, I want you to just toss it out. Okay. And I want you to just see how that feels. Mm-hmm. Right? Like. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. I don't think. Right. Yeah. I'm hearing you. Okay. So, so th- that's just one example, but I think there's like all kinds of other, like, n- I don't know how else to like, so I keep on asking you if you're proud. I'm trying to get you to say I'm proud or I'm not proud, but you just like waffle around. Right. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. like, so, th- cause I think that you do feel, I'm like, do you feel any pride? And you're like, yeah, of course I feel pride. But uh, like, do you let yourself feel pride? That the answer to that is no. Mm hmm. Are you proud? Sure. Do you have a lot to be grateful for? There's some element of humility in there. I think some of that's, I mean, I think that's very genuine, but I think it's, it's almost like you don't let yourself own who you are. And there's a lot of like, anytime we get down there to the bottom layer, you kind of like devalue it. So like, Mm -hmm. I love, love these movings, but that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Right. It's silly. It's weird. Mm -hmm. You know, and let's not, I'm I'm not going to touch this with 10 foot pole. This is not, this is beyond my pay grade, but this whole business about your mom thinks you're the funniest person on the planet and your wife wants you to stop. I mean, not wife, long-term girlfriend wants you to stop making jokes. Like there's a whole, we could dive into that if you want to, but I think that's like a good example of like, and see, there's something real. But if I ask you about your girlfriend and Michelle, you're going to do it. No, no, go on. I'll do my best. Yeah. What's it like when she doesn't want you to make jokes? Uh, it feels like she's rejecting a part of me. How does it feel to have? It's a... not. I don't know if that's actually what's happening because you know. There it is. You just, Hold on. What'd you just do? Well, yeah, but if I'm if I'm singing the same Alexander Hamilton song no, two years later. No, 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 not, not that. You said it feels like she's rejecting a part of me, and then what was the next fucking sentence out of your mouth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not not okay. Say it. I said, I don't know yeah. what you, I minimized it. I said something. I minimized there it. it is. Right. So one is like, and yeah. let's just think about this. When you say it feels like she's rejecting a part of me, like that's an authentic feeling. 
Yeah. You get that? Like, that's real. Mm-hmm. It may not mm-hmm. be true, but then, like, this other layer, like, protective yeah, yeah. Andy comes up. Okay. I see. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting, actually. So it might not be true, but you're feeling it. Yeah. yeah. Right? Okay. And so, so, so this is what's happening. It's like, you don't know who you are. That's because, tell me logically, who are you? What is identity? Yeah. It's what you love to do. But that's that's who you are, it, right? So like you can't have an identity logically. Like you can never discover yourself through logic. Who you are is experiential, mm-hmm. on its yeah, fundamental yeah. level. And you started the interview with, you know, what do you do when your work becomes your identity? Like that's a logical exchange, right? So I can bucket you based on yeah. your profession. But that's not really who you are. Like, that's the whole point of this discussion. So when you're operating from this upper level of like, this is not who I am. I'm more than my work, whatever. Like, you can try to, you can talk about it until you're blue in the face, but you're never going to discover yourself that way. And what I'm noticing is like, time and again, you push away like this element of yourself. And I think that's how you've lost yourself. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because you like, I know who you are. Like. I know it's weird to say that, but like, I, I think we see who you truly are when you're joking, right? You're, I mean, you're more than that, but that's just, that's the one thing that can still crack through the surface for moments. Yeah. Right. And like, do mm-hmm. you feel alive when you're cracking a joke? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Right. Yeah. You have a minimizing statement to make about that too, but doesn't everybody? It's mm-hmm. just a joke. That's not life. Yeah. No, something you said there just uh, made sense, you know. So li- li- literally the kind of the thought that minimized the part about, you know, uh, Michelle not accepting kind of a part of me is, well, that's not really true. It's exactly what I thought. And that's what you said is, you know, so it's not really important. I don't need to correct myself to I the so, balance of probabilities and if it's true or not. So Yeah, but I mean, that's like who you are is not like an objective thing who you are is a purely subjective thing it is as subjective as you can possibly get yeah and and so like i, I you know there's just there's just so many things so when we talk about pride when we talk about joking when we talk about some of this work related stuff the passivity right so like like when you try to come up and you say like hey i'm you know i I far outpace my peers. Like that's a statement of fact, but like you won't even say that, right? Like it, it's like pulling yeah. teeth. And when you mm-hmm. say that, your face is as like gray shade as you can possibly get. I'm 31 yeah. years old and I, all of my colleagues are 20 years older than me and I manage yeah. 250 people. <coughs> yeah, okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you feel right now? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that was pretty spot on. Yeah. <laughs> so this, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why I've changed to be like that. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about the why. Close your eyes for a second. Just feel what you feel. I'm gonna just okay. talk at you in my mm-hmm. Andy impression. Okay. Yeah. And I want mm-hmm. you to just bask in the sensation. Yeah. My name is Andy. I'm 31 years old. I manage. I'm a senior manager. This is doing things to me. Like what? Sexually. <laughs> That's a joke, right? Oh, my God. I'm not saying. 
right? So, like, who are you right now? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, right? But can you feel you right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying touch yourself. I'm saying, can you feel it's, you? It's, it's too late for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, I don't know how else to say this, Andy. This is, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can open your eyes. So, like, I, I, this, this is why I was kind of asking you about spirituality. So there are a couple things I'm going to share with you. The first is that who you are is not an identity that is built up over time. It is an experience of the present. So, like, when you crack yeah. a joke, I think you are, like, in your purest state of self. Now, you don't want to be cracking that all the time. This is why, so, for example, like, there's a very, there are lots of famous stories about Zen masters achieving enlightenment and the first thing that they do is laugh there is even a sanskrit word that the word for reality is actually like play so like the like what we you the the word that sanskrit in sanskrit gets translated into english is reality so if you if i were to ask you what's the yep. sanskrit word for reality one word is one translation is lila but technically lila means play and that the whole universe is like, it's like a, not a play isn't a false representation, but it is the act of play. And so there's just this very visceral kind of part of you that I think that cognitively, maybe like at some point, there's also work-related stuff here, right? Because when you're 26 years old and you're far above where you should be on the corporate ladder, you can't, you have to be like extra serious, because you have to play the part. Yeah. So, 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 sorry, I don't want to interrupt you <coughs> if you're delivering in. No, no, go for it. Yeah. Okay. So, please interrupt. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, two things happened really. You know, um, one, you know, promoted quickly into positions of authority where you need to appear and be credible. You know. So you can't. You've got to kind of cut that that shit out. Yep. Because you're already younger. And then two, I mean, something that impacted me in the past was kind of the whole, you know, losing your hair moment of oh, fucking hell, my hair's falling out. You know, I'm 21. My hair's falling out. It's in the sink. You know, while you're brushing your teeth and shit. You know, fuck. What the hell do you do about it? Uh, the answer is, by the way, fucking just shave your head. Don't do what I did, which is wait three years too late and then shave your head. It's the totally wrong thing to do. But that kind of matured me quickly because, you know, the position and then kind of being bald kind of aged me a bit. And it's like, well, how how immature can you be now? So that has definitely impacted how I interact with strangers. Absolutely, right? So, so I... I don't know if you asked this question, but I have this kind of question. Why are you this way? Why do you have these two layers? Why do you, mm -hmm. on some level, I think it's numbness. You like inflict numbness on yourself. In some ways it's suppression. Yeah. But why? And I think it's because exactly like, so you, you didn't just learn, you know, you, this isn't random. It, it, you know, it's hap like you've developed this cognitive structure for a reason. And there yeah. are influences, evolutionary influences on your cognition over time. And I think mm -hmm. 
essentially like you, you know you almost got developmentally like skipped a couple of steps professionally and so then you yeah. sort of had to like almost fake it till you make it or you had to adopt a persona of overly serious yeah definitely 100 percent. yeah right? right on the nail so so yeah. but the thing is this is the key thing about the mind is that the mind can't do that naturally selectively so for example okay. when we look at something called the lexithymia which is the inability to like exp understand what you're feeling emotionally so it's like emotional colorblindness okay yeah. the interesting thing is that when we numb ourselves so sometimes we'll use certain techniques either substances or cognitive techniques or video games or whatever to numb our internal emotional state the interesting thing is then people will say like oh i don't feel happy i don't feel happy i don't feel happy and the, the mm. thing is our mind can't numb just the sadness. It has to numb everything. So it's like turning the volume down. Like if you turn yeah. the volume down, like everything is going to go down. Mm -hmm. And so I think what you've managed to do is by some combination of, you know, a girlfriend and professional things and all kinds of other stuff. Also some amount of confusion and not allowing yourself. I mean, I think that yeah. you do because it sounds like you let yourself indulge in worst cases What'll happen is you'll have men like yourself who start crying during movies and they're like, I don't understand what's going on. So I'm going to never watch those movies again. And thankfully you didn't do that. Or maybe you went through yeah. your own internal. No, I love it. It's like, uh, yeah, it's just great. It's just a release, isn't it? When you do, you can't plan it. You can't think, oh, I'll have a cry today. I'll put a sad film on. But when you do, it feels good. Yeah. yeah. So, so thankfully you let yourself kind of engage in that. But I, I do think that there's a reason why your mind does this. Okay. So that's sort of like the logical side. That's the psychological side. That's what I feel pretty confident about. There's also like tips, right? So the first thing is to just, first of all, recognize your devaluing statements and yep. notice that you're the only thing you're going to devalue or the thing that you consistently devalue is like your experience of something. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not like I, it's not that I worked hard. It's that I got lucky. Well, like everyone, like you have to get lucky to get promoted. Yeah. But, you, you know, you're not you're not like slipping I and sliding yeah. into I don't, yeah, okay. into Sorry. where you. Right. So there's a personal element that you kind of quash. OK. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's a piece of it. So if you want to be happy in life, you have to stop quashing that. Right. If you want to know who you are, like that's who you are. You aren't like a father or a worker or someone like that. You're a bald dude who makes funny jokes and is also a hard worker, is also loving, has made his parents proud. You can probably have a cry about that if you let yourself at some point. Hmm. What do you think about that? Um. Yeah, those are all things that I do or am to others. But when I was saying I don't feel like I have a self, I think when I was, well, it, it's spot on, but but also it's linked to kind of. I don't I don't enjoy anything. Everything is kind of volumes turned down and everything, right? You know. But I guess you're saying that's linked to. Yeah, so I, I think that's a piece of it. But there's still there's still a big chunk missing here. So we'll get to that in okay. a second. But like, so, so the first thing is that I, I think that this is going to be the kind of thing where I can't, 
I think as you turn the volume up, you're going to get more information about who you are, and then you have to walk that journey. So we're not going to like, that's the first thing is like, you got to turn the volume up. <coughs> then you'll start to really start to discover who you are. It, you know, it's <coughs> then the discovery, then you start the journey. Like, you mm -hmm. know, the, the turning the volume up is like the first step or not even the first step. It's like the prerequisite. It's, it's the, you know, the, the starter pistol going off before you start the race. Yeah. Now, the other wild thing is that like, so when things resonate with us, okay, why do they resonate with us? Because of personal experience, right? Like that's yeah, what uh, the nature yeah. of resonance is. So in psychology, what we assume then is because personal experience must have come from the past or from this life, then we get confused like you did because these father-son relationships are deeply resonating with you, mm -hmm. but it doesn't map on to your life. So it doesn't make sense that it resonates, right? Uh, uh, it, it, make, it makes sense a bit around kind of my dad, I think, is kind of wish he'd worked less, I guess. The kind of sacrifice bit. Yeah. Do you, do you think, how do you feel about your wanting your dad? How, let me think about Oops. what, what kind of question is not going to scare you away? What do you think about your dad not being perfect? Uh, yeah, I'm used to it. Yeah. What's, he's just, a, he's just, he's just a guy like everyone else. He fucked up like others in life, you know? Yeah. See, so you're a slippery one there. Okay. I'm trying. Just yeah, tell, tell, no, no, yeah. I, I know. I, it, I'm not blaming you. That was a mean thing for me to say. So it was I, very mean. Yeah. I think that this is. I, I apologize. I really do. Um, no, I'm joking. I'm I, fine. I'm not. Nothing. Okay. So there's a couple things here. One is that your dad working 12 to 17 hours, being absent for long periods of time, because you love him, because he loves you. Th there's a yep. psychological possibility. Like if I was a therapist. I would dig into this because I believe that what resonates with you about these movies is that it mirrors your own father-son relationship. Mm. Okay. I thought you were a therapist. I mean, I am, but if I was doing therapy with you, like I, I would dig into that. Is this not therapy? No, this is not therapy, which oh, I'm pretty okay. sure you understand and you're joking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, but what I, what I mean by that is, is like, you know, we can assume that what resonates with you in movies mirrors your own relationship. I think that yeah. you could have something going on, which I oftentimes see for men who love their fathers, which is that we don't want to ever admit that they did something that was hurtful or tragic or neglectful towards us, especially if they made sacrifices and had good reasons to do it. Right. So like you, you want to give your dad a pass for not showing up and buying Pokemon cards with you because he had a really good reason. And you don't want to blame okay. him for that. The tricky okay. thing is that the emotional hurt for eight-year-old you still existed. Now, the really tricky yeah. thing here is that if you don't, if you give, if you make excuses for him, you can't ever forgive him. What's to forgive? What's to forgive? So, you know, I'm going to start defending my dad here. I don't mean, I'm not trying to. Yeah. 
do that. I'm just trying to... So, you know, he's a guy with whatever talent in life and he's got to put bread on the table. So you just do whatever you need to do to do that. And sometimes that means you've got freaking work on a weekend, tough look kid kind of thing. You know, uh, that hurts as a kid because you don't really understand. But it's like the it's like the scene in uh, it's like the scene in um, Fences. You know, who says I have to be there on the weekend? You know, do I put food on the table and you know give you an Xbox and a cool Coke fridge to play Halo One on? Yeah, he did. You know, so I don't know if there's anything to forgive he was also present at other times yeah if, if i remember it does that mean it was persistent i don't know right, so, so, so this is the weird thing right so like you you're drawing more parallels to fences with your own experience okay right like like we're talking about your relationship with your dad and you're bringing up fences again yeah so, like, I think this is hard because I, I don't know if, if cognitively or, like, emotionally you're ready to accept that your life may have been a little bit closer to fences than you give it credit for. But And I think the reason you may not be willing to accept that is because your dad is not Denzel Washington from Fences, right? He's better mm -hmm. than that. So that's mm -hmm. where there's, like, confusion and conflict because he wasn't there. He had a good reason. But yeah. this is when you ask what is forgiveness, forgiveness is like admitting a wrong and then saying it's okay. Excuse is like saying, oh, it's not actually a problem. Do you understand? Okay. I understand. So I, I don't know if you need to walk that journey with your dad or not. Like, you know, I, I don't know. It's a possibility. So if okay. we're trying to understand, remember, let's go like one level higher. We're understanding why on earth do you resonate with all these father son themes? No brainer mm -hmm. from a therapy perspective. It's because of your own friggin' relationship, right? Thank God. I thought you were going to say I want to have sex with him or something. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, so uh, <laughs> other thing is that, you know, that you may be able to map that on to your other relationships as well. Maybe your relationship with your mom. Um, but here's the other thing that I want to share with you, because I think this is, could be where the money is. So sometimes okay. uh, I think that what, could be happening. One is that this is actually a predictive thing where, where this is like, has, you're not going to figure this out or you won't feel complete until you have a child. Now I know that that goes against so much like PC thinking like, Oh, like you don't need to be fulfilled. Like ch children aren't necessary fulfillment. I completely agree. I'm not saying that you should have children or you shouldn't have children. All I'm saying is that if there's a motif that is like resonating with you deeply, it may not be your father-son relationship with your dad. It could be your father-son relationship with your kid. And that's kind of confusing. But sometimes when it comes to like meaning in life and feeling fulfilled, I think we can safely say that parent-child parent relationships are a source of fulfillment for many human beings. Is it the only source of fulfillment for human beings? Absolutely not. Can you be completely fulfilled and choose not to have children? Absolutely. But we also know that human experience, which is why the why we have so many father-son relationship themes in our movies, because they tend to be central to the experience of life. Okay. Yeah. Now, there's a simple way to put this. So the two other, now we are going to go completely off the rails. So one is that karmically, your Atman, your soul, chose this birth 
because you have an incomplete karma with another soul who will one day be your son. And it is your resonance with this incomplete karma, which is like, that's why you're born. That's why you exist. On like a deeply existential level, the reason that your Atman or your soul took birth is to resolve this conflict. You have a debt to pay. You have a duty to fulfill. You have some kind of relationship to have with another soul that I would assume would be your child. I'm not saying that that's correct or that's true or you need to believe that. Part of what I try to do with people is share perspectives. And the reason that I hold on to this perspective is I know it sounds completely unscientific, but boy, is it helpful. Yeah. So sometimes I do believe that like we have duties, right? So what's resonating with you is that you have an incomplete duty. So you will never feel fulfilled because you're not doing your duty. And in a in sense of personal fulfillment to do your duty, to have that conversation with your son, to be Denzel Washington in Fences, that's like, I don't know how to say this, but you have like a gravity towards that experience. And if we're saying psychologically that all gravities towards experiences come from places, which I 100% agree, because I don't think that the mind is random. And yeah, we're yeah. saying that it hasn't come from your past. I know it sounds kind of weird. The only other place it could be coming from is your future. Because it's got to be coming from somewhere. And I know that sounds weird and illogical. But there's a system of karma and reincarnation and stuff like that that sort of suggests that this could be what's going on. So I'm putting it to you. I don't think it's scientific. I don't think it's... I think it's sort of scientific. But I, I don't think you need to believe it. I'm just... If you have a question of why I don't feel fulfilled, it's like on the bucket list for why. Okay. The other thing... I wanted to say one more thing. Incomplete karma... Oh, yeah. The other thing is that this could be a resonance of an experience from a past life. So that is also equally unscientific, but I've just had good outcomes in terms of personal fulfillment and understanding. When, like, there may have been some kind of relationship that you were either the dad or you were the son or who knows. Um you know, I don't know if this sounds kind of weird, but do you feel guilt when you watch Fences? Uh, oh, definitely, yeah. So, like, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So that's weird, right? Because what the hell are you feeling guilty for? For being the for being the thing that was sacrificed for. Okay. So kind of upsetting. Yeah. Right. So we're getting not where I thought we were going, but I think we got somewhere. What do you, mm -hmm. how do you understand that? Oh, how do I understand that? How do I understand what? Okay. Let me ask a couple other questions. So you feel guilty because your dad had to drive a truck for a very long time, right? To do what for you? Yeah, set set me up for the future. And he even got me the first job, right? So there's probably almost a thing about, you know, he's planted the seed for this career and I need to kind of go somewhere with it and keep going for, to, oh. you know, honor the sacrifice or something. It sounds a bit cheesy, but maybe that's... Uh... There's that devaluing again when you get to something real. Right. So well, 
so Andy, I mean, now I'm think I think now things are clicking for me. So then like now we sort of understand, right? Like now I think a lot of things are making sense to me, which is mm -hmm. first of all, like it's hard to feel pride in something that came at the cost of your dad. Yeah. Right. So maybe mm -hmm. we were wrong about like, right. Cause like everything that you built comes from, and, and this isn't, you don't blame your dad for not being there for Pokemon cards, mm -hmm. but like you acknowledge that he couldn't be there. Right. And like, I think on some level you're okay with him not being there for you, but you identify with his, the internal disappointment that he has to deal with not being able to be there for you. Was that too much? One sentence. You, no, uh, I was, I, I, I thought you were going somewhere else with that. And then tell, final, yeah, tell me. I, I thought you were just saying, I thought you were just saying what I said back to me, but then you said, uh, what did you just say at the end of that? Yeah, sentence? I mean, so so when your dad doesn't show up to get you the Pokemon cards. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, about yeah. you. I think you understand what he must be feeling. Because I don't think you're oblivious. Yeah, 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 to, that's probably right. And, and that's what hurts the most. Is that okay. he may be disappointed in himself. And he just, yeah, probably, well, yeah, I think that my dad is would be very uh, critical of himself as a father, but it's misplaced. But what's it like to watch him do that to himself? Yeah, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. And, and, you know, my, my brother has not honored the sacrifice we'll say okay i mean he's just not living his best life let's say that you know drugs and things borrowing money okay so That's andy like i'm you know, you say you don't know who you are and how to be happy. And I'm noticing that there's a lot of shit that you need to turn the volume down on. Turn the volume down. Yeah. There's a lot of shit that you need to turn the volume down on. Okay. Right. So like, I think that part of the reason, like what's going on here is like, there's a lot here. Mm -hmm. So the guilt, you know, and this started with guilt. It started with a feeling of guilt and, and, you know, like, watching as you put it heartbreaking mm. right there's anger towards your your brother there's weird oh, yeah. kinds of feelings in terms of yeah i mean there's a lot of anger yeah yeah he's still drawing from my dad now right you know to this day to this morning you know and again, you know, oh, I need to, I need to pay this person back, or he's gonna, freaking, kill me, or blow the cars up, or set the house on fire, or whatever, you know, all this shit. 
and, and my dad always says, you know, this is it, this is the last time, no more, not doing it again. But invariably and inevitably, always, always hands over the cash because that's him, that's what he does, you know. But, you know, that's my brother. So there you did it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught myself with that one. Yep. So I, I think, I mean, you are at who you are and your happiness, Andy, is at the bottom of this. Right? Like you have to work through all of this stuff. So I'd, I'd actually recommend, like, I don't know if you've ever seen a therapist before. Uh, no, never, never. This definitely, de definitely. A so this is one of the cases where I think seeing a therapist is actually like a really good idea for you, but it's not because you're ill. So no, generally no. speaking, we think about therapy and even when, when we describe therapy on this stream, because if you look at the legality of it, right? So like if we look at licensure, laws, training, it has to do with illness, but I, I think in terms of like finding your happiness, I don't know how else to put this. There's just a layer of psychological crap up here that mm -hmm. you need to get through because like you need to turn up the volume on your internal self. It's not, I mean, cracking jokes is not going to make you happy. It'll be a one step in the right direction. But I okay. think anger towards your brother, I think anger towards your dad I don't think I have any anger towards my dad. I am aware of that. That's why I think you need to see a therapist because I think you have anger towards your dad. No, I, okay. Uh, okay. I'll be open-minded on that. I'll take your advice. But I right mean, maybe now, you don't, but it's bizarre. I think you probably see your dad as a victim and you see that he's getting taken advantage of and he loves his son and all that good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's usually anger under that. Well, I'm angry that he won't. Okay, what do you mean? I'm I'm angry that he won't just. There you go. Let let whatever happen happen. And then, if you want to go even further than that, there's even uh, brothers older or younger. Younger. Okay, so how ballpark? How much younger? Three years. Okay. So last place that there may be anger towards your dad or your mom is: Have there been times in your life where your dad was supposed to do something for you? and didn't get a chance to because of your brother. I have I have no memory of anything. I I'm trying to think. So that's okay. So I'll I we don't have to get into I that. Mean, but yeah, okay. So okay. so I'll I'll just give you a simple example. So I, I do a lot of addiction psychiatry work and I see right. this a lot in the siblings with no idea if it applies to you or not. <clears throat> I see this a lot in the siblings of people who have substance use problems, a ton of resentment. Uh huh. Okay. So when, when you have a child with substance use, parents love their children, right? There's mm -hmm. one kid who needs more help, needs more love, needs more support. And inevitably what I see time and time again is the sibling overperforms is an absolute boss at work, learns how to be independent. Okay. Because the, the love and attention and support of the parents is being siphoned towards the child with addiction. And oftentimes there's resentment 
on the child who does a good job. And there's a lot of like layers of shit on top before people realize that because they always resentment to the child who does a good job. No, the child who does a good job. The child who does a good job is the one who winds up in my office. Okay. Just like you. Like, it's actually stunning how many Mm. men in their 30s who overperform or at manager levels have this problem. It's actually funny now that I think about it. I I didn't connect those dots until now. But it's a very really common problem. So, like, what what happens then is, like, they actually resent their parents and it takes – but they feel guilty for resenting their parents. Because if clearly, like, I have a brother mm. who's a fuck up, and my par- he needs the support more than I do, so like I can't blame my parents for like prioritizing him. I think what they're doing is stupid. That they can own pretty easily, right? Yeah. They need to learn how to set boundaries, but it's really hard for them to get to the point that like my life, my parents chose my brother, who may have had justified reasons why they needed his attention more. Or, but like, there's there still can be resentment. Like, it's it really doesn't feel, it doesn't yeah. feel like that's it. Yeah. So I'm my... laying this out for you because I I don't know that. Like I said, I think this is more. I don't know I, if I this. Think, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I think I think that's I I think that despite the attention that my brother needed and all of the energy and emotion that that saps out of people, despite that. For the most part, they were still there for me and provided me with the opportunities like the like the job and whatever else, money if I needed money, you know. At times I've been between jobs and, you know, my dad would give me money. That's yeah, happened so, in the past. So that, that's, that's good to hear. So it may not it may not apply to you. I'm just sort of mapping it out for you so that like you can kind of think through this either yeah. on your own or, you know, you, you know, there right. maybe it's just very common that when there's a sibling, we also see this with siblings who have medical problems. So okay. one child has medical problems. The other child has is doesn't. So parents' mm-hmm. attention primarily goes to one child, and understandably so, justifiably so. And then mm-hmm. child who is successful oftentimes becomes a doctor themselves. You know, is very independent, then mm-hmm. winds up <laughs> in my office, and then we have to work through these, some of these issues. Okay. So I think, you know, the one thing we did kind of find is that, you know, you feel guilty, which is strange, strange in a sense, but I think we've figured out how it's not strange. Yeah. You know, that, that your dad had to do all this stuff for you also sort of makes sense why it's like, you know, it's hard to enjoy food that came at the cost of, you know, it's hard to enjoy the fruits of labor. Yeah, yeah. yeah right especially when it like is significant sacrifice on his part mm-hmm. yeah and, and i mean if we <laughs> we could go into it further if you want to but there's even like certain comments right so like your dad says oh i have to work so that i can take care of your mom and you see him he's gonna say that but i don't think he says that about you does he say that about you what what about me sorry like taking care of you does he talk explicitly? Oh, no, no 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 he's we're completely you know i'm completely independent yeah so i i know it sounds kind of weird but i think there's something there too where like on some level on some subtext he's not saying it about you now but have you ever talked to your dad about the sacrifices he's made for you no (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay, I'm not I'm sure gonna... he, he's not, he's, if I'm a, if I seem to be a closed book, he's worse. Okay. So let me ask you, why not? Well, for example, dad, why are you working so much? You know, uh, so that if I die, your mum's got some money. Oh, okay then. <laughs> you know. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question, Andy. Have you talked to him about how much he's done for you? No. No, I should, probably should. So let's understand this a little bit better. Why not? <clears throat> we don't, yeah, we don't talk like that. We don't talk yeah, deeply. So I, so I think should. that, yeah, don't worry about should so much. So I, okay. I think, I think, you know, I want to be careful with that word. So the main okay. re first reason is because I think you haven't done that because you weren't taught how, mm -hmm. right? Like, cause your dad, as you said, is a closed book. So like conversations amongst men about our feelings are, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. reserved for movies that we watch and no actual words exchanged. Yeah. Except for when I'm at work, when I'm at work, I deal with, you know, people who are various stages of mental ill health i'm really empathetic and you know sure trying to you know talk to that person about feelings i feel really i'm really good at it when there's no personal sure I guess, yeah yeah I, I i think you know how to do it professionally sure right I, I i mean i think you got to where you are because you probably are a empathic and compassionate person to work under so not, I don't want to push you or rush genuinely. So I think you have to do this when you're ready. But I, I do think in terms of the list of things to do, I think having like, you don't even have to have a conversation because I don't know that your dad is going to know what to do with that. Right. Mm -hmm. But like formulating some kind of like, like sharing some of these feelings with your dad and say like, you know, dad, I've come a really long way. Like, I know y'all are proud of me. And, and I just want to share with you that you know, I know you've made a lot of sacrifices and sometimes it hurts me to think about what you've had to give up with your life for our sake. I sometimes think it's almost like a tragedy that like you've, you've had to do this. And I know you did it willingly. I know you're proud of it. I know you did your duty. I know you did it because you love us. But on some level, it still hurts me to think about the sacrifices that you were forced to make and I appreciate so much about like how lucky I've been and the opportunities that you've given me that I don't have to walk that path. How does that? Uh, yeah, it feels good to just imagine saying it. I'm not sure if it's selfish to say it. It's just going to make me feel good that I'm trying to make my dad feel good or something. Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. It, well, I don't know. He's quite stoic and flippant. So in, in, yeah, I don't know. Don't I'll, trick yourself I'll, into not saying it. No, I will do it. Oh, you've it's said, selfish. Don't no, do yeah, it. No, you, don't no, do no, it. you said, yeah, yeah. No, oh, say that again. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, I will do it. You're suggesting it. I'll do it. I'm Simple not suggesting time. it. I'm asking how it would feel. Feel good. 
Okay, so then I think you should do it, right? Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to say this, but like, you're not going to live, Andy, until you do that. Okay. Right. I know that sounds kind of weird, but like what I mean is like, this is life. Like when you feel hollow and empty inside, it's because there are huge parts of you that are like in the basement. Like you can't live a full life. You can't live. You can't find happiness unless you engage with this stuff. Okay. Does that make sense? It's just like, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Your life sense. is you're you're like a movie. Like your life is two dimensional, and has all the attributes of a real story, but isn't. Mm. You know, you see the people like the water on the screen isn't wet, right? And like what mm. I'm getting a sense of is that your life is like that, where you're like, you have this surface level, like everything's good, like you're living it, but it's all like hollow and empty inside because the water right. on the screen isn't wet, and that's and some great. of and some of that's like because you got to, you know, because there's a whole treasure trove of stuff mm-hmm. there and like i i, I want to bet money that if you have a conversation like this with your dad you will feel more alive for the next week there's no way that you're going to feel empty during that you're not going to feel good necessarily it's going to be like good and bad and everything in between but does that make sense it makes a lot of sense yeah right so i think you know sharing that with him i've done my best to try to understand what you may have been feeling so, you know, you can adapt that or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, I think sort of sharing with him, you know, some of this stuff and like recognizing that he may not know how to respond, right? And not that he needs to. It's also good that you're also recognizing like what, what do you think his response could be? Yeah. And then I feel a bit guilty about my mum because, you know, she's been there through the whole thing. You know, had a career and things. But I don't think about I don't think about that as much. Sure. Why, why is that? That that's strange because she sacrifices as much. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so, I, you know, I I wouldn't. So so just be prepared for him to deflect or make a joke or things like that, right? So like he may not be ready to hear it. It may be too much for him to handle. So and I don't want you to get hurt or turned off by that. Okay. Right. And then like you can revisit it again. But like a lot of this stuff is about almost also from a karmic perspective, like completing your karma. Like you can't force him to do anything, but for your growth, like you need to speak your truth because reason you're not happy and you feel empty inside Andy is because for a long time you've stopped speaking your truth. Okay. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense. Yeah. It makes great. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of elucidated a lot, yeah. I feel like the, the kind of, you've kind of shone a light on the map forward. Cool. Well, that's what we're here for. Thoughts, yeah. questions? Well, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that I'm sitting down with a, a therapist not in therapy, and actually the most stereotypical epiphany has been given to me, <laughs> or I've taken it, which is, it's your relationship with your dad. <laughs> but it is what it is, yeah, I need to work on it. Yeah, it's a stereotypical reason. I mean, so I, I'd like to say it's more than that, right? But yeah. but I, I think we've given you a lot of stuff. But I think start your journey with what fits right to you. Yeah. And, and I think even then, it's not when you when we talk about relationship with our dad. There's an assumption that there's a bad relationship, 
Whereas I think what you need to do for your dad is like express gratitude. Okay. Right. And at a level that makes him deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Like you need to tell him that you love him and you appreciate his sacrifice and like everything that he's done for you. And it makes you sad to think about what he's had to give up for your sake. And that you're so grateful that he's given you opportunities, got you that first job, got you that first managerial position and that your life is good. And that all of the success that you have has come off of the back of like his sacrifice and your mom's sacrifice. And that means a lot to you. Yeah. Okay. Then you'll feel alive. Okay. Yeah. And then with that, just try and try not to dilute my personality while I'm working. What do you mean? I, I didn't follow. What just you... se sorry. Se separately from that, just I'm trying to kind of think about. I'll need to rewatch the the vod. I can't believe it's the time that it is. I'm so grateful that you've spent a bit longer with me. Um, the the part about kind of my personality at work, right? Not diluting it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'd catch, so it starts with just catching your contrary statements, Yeah. right? The devaluing statements. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, I think there's, you know, especially with people like Michelle, like there's a certain amount of romantic relationships that only function because we squash a part of ourselves. It's the only way yeah. they work. Right. Like for the sake of harmony, you have to, you have to, you know, you can't be your true authentic self with a romantic partner. In fact, a lot of, I mean, I don't mean to be, it, I think it's natural and healthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also okay. like for, you know, crack a joke from time to time and, and let yourself out a little bit. Like if I had to say one thing, Andy, you haven't let yourself out in a long time. Yeah. You know, I feel it. I don't look at, you know, I have got this kind of featureless face that doesn't really move but uh it's not but, botox obviously my wrinkles but um i'm feel very excited to have that conversation yeah I, and i i think that by the way your your face is not featureless it's only featureless when you're operating from one of those sides and seriously yeah. i think it'd be a really interesting exercise to watch this interview on mute yeah okay yeah, i'll do that and then you'll just you'll see uh, so last question that I have is that um, oftentimes at the end of, of conversations with people, I'll teach them in some kind of instruction of, of meditation. Are you interested in learning that? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want a mystical one or a more scientific one? One the the best. The most effective? If that's the mystical one, fine. What do you think's the best? I had thought about you ahead of time, and I had the idea to teach you a mantra and give okay. you a mantra or mantra. So yeah. it's a syllable that you should chant. Do you have a set mm -hmm. of prayer beads or, or a rosary or anything like that? I've lost my prayer beads. Okay. Um, so I don't have anything. That's okay. So you don't need one, um, but it can help with the practice. So uh, I'm just trying to think about, because I think who you are is very different from who I thought you would be. And I'm oh. just trying to think a little bit about. How did I, you think I would? I don't know. I'm glad that you are who you are. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm just trying to think about whether I should 
because I had this flash of inspiration about half an hour before stream that I okay. wanted to teach you a mantra. And I'm just trying to figure out where that inspiration is coming from and if it was wrong or if it was actually right and is like more predictive. So let's just stick with it. So I'm going to stick with it, okay? So I'm going to teach you a mantra. So the mantra is going to be kind of weird. Um, mm -hmm. So it's the mantra is... Shum. Oh, this actually makes perfect sense now. So the mantra is actually very guttural. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So the mantra is, is, is this. It's okay. You want to do that? Did you hear that? I don't know no. if Discord stopped. <laughs> no, it did. Yeah, you just okay. you just uh, kind of staring at me. Okay. So the mantra is kshum. Yeah. So it starts with a ksh, 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 ksh. It's like, like a K-S-H. Okay. And then in the bottom <coughs> of your throat, there's going to be a ooh, ooh, ooh. Beautiful. So what we want you to do is you're going to take it. It's going to start with a ksha. You're going to be yeah. doing an ooh. If you've got the COVID, you don't have to do it now. You got the Rona. I'll so, give it a go. So, ooh. And then hold that ooh. The ksha, the ksha should be short and the um should be short at the end. And then we're going to end with mm. Okay, so ksha. Got it? Good, you're it's doing just, it right. It's just the first syllable. Yeah. Uh, Not kcha. So with a cha, the your tongue is at the top of your palate. Yeah. Right. So if you say cha 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 cha, the back of your tongue is at the back of your palate. So do it sure. with me. Cha 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 cha. Cha 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 cha. Do you feel where your tongue is? Uh huh. Okay. Now sha 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 sha. What's different? My tongue's in the middle of my mouth. So now do ksha. Ksha. <laughs> ksha. You'll get there. It's okay. I don't think I will. Sha, 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 sha. Sha, 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 sha. Ksha. Ksha. So the reason you're getting there is because the ka is also at the back of your palate. Does that make sense? Ka, mm -hmm. ka, 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 ka is going to be further at the back of your palate. So it's almost like mm -hmm. the ka is over here, the cha is over here, and the sha is over here. So what you need to do is skip that cha in the middle. I know it's kind of weird, but. So do it again. Ksha. Cha. Can you say rickshaw? Rickshaw. There we go. Thank you, chat. Okay. Right? Shaw. Dude, that was Sh brilliant. Sh um, okay. Okay. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, like whoever came up with I would have never thought of that. So rickshaw. Sure, rickshaw, yeah. So. Right? So that kshaw. Yeah, okay. You got it. Got it. Good. Okay. Yeah, okay. And yeah. then the the main part of it is oh. mm. louder. Mm. Yeah. Uh, 
Give me a ooh. Good. Beautiful. It's my throat is a bit sore. Yeah, yeah. So, so don't don't do it now. Don't do you don't have to do it now. So we won't we won't practice now. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. what I would do is is, you know, I would start with like maybe you can start with like nine breaths. So wait till you're done being sick. Yeah. So do nine breaths, like nine rounds. If you can, then extend to like five minutes, then 15 minutes. Um, if you are open to something a little bit, you know, it's not really religious, but it's a tool for practice. But there's you can get like a set of prayer beads. Mm-hmm. So Eastern prayer beads are going to be 108 beads. And so you want to do 108 rounds. It'll take you maybe somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes, which is totally fine, presuming you're okay doing it. The other thing and I have to round, tell... Huh? Sorry, I'll watch the VOD. Yeah. yeah. So uh, 108 rounds. So that means doing the mantra 108 times. That should be okay. your end goal. Now, a couple of things to remember about this stuff. You don't necessarily have to believe in it. That's okay. If you're willing to give it a shot, that's totally fine. It's also yep. completely fine if you decide to not do this for a while. The one thing I want to ask you is don't forget about it. So it mm-hmm. may be a year, it may be two, it may be three. And if you want to understand yourself, chant trum. If you want okay. to be happy, chant trum. It's what's missing from your life, which I know sounds weird. Okay. The, the reason, what, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. That's my question is, what's the difference between that and something like the Aum thing? What's the difference between which one you do? The difference has to do with the specific, the specific spiritual energies that you want to cultivate. Okay. Now, that's the actual difference. So scientifically, we do know that mantra meditation has different, creates different EEG patterns. So different electrical Mm -hmm. activity in the brain compared to other kinds of meditation. But I've never seen a study that compares one kind of mantra to another. So there is scientific evidence that mantra meditation is different from like meditating on your breath or something like that. So in my experience, the reason that I teach this stuff, even though there does not have scientific credibility behind it, is because my personal experience and the, the people that I will teach these mantras to tend to do really well. And after okay. a while, if they stick with it, they come back to me and they say the same thing that I discovered about my mantra, which is like, that was absolutely the right mantra. And then like, you can ask them like, how do you know it's the, what does that mean? And it's like hard to describe, but it's just okay. sort of it. You just do it for a while and you'll understand. Yeah. Right. Well, Cause remember it's, it's subjective. It's experiential. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm looking forward to doing it. Okay, cool. Open-minded. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to know how it works. It just needs to work. Yeah, right? So I'd almost say it's kind of like exercise. Like you don't need to know how muscles get built. You just need to do it for a while. The other thing that yeah. I feel pretty good about is that, you know, generally speaking, all the benefits of mindfulness, reductions in depression, reductions in anxiety, improvement of compassion, improvement of empathy, greater mm-hmm. self-understanding, like all those things are scientific and you'll get that stuff too. Yeah, cool. Cool. Any last thoughts? Thank you so much. Yeah, you're uh, very welcome. Any last thoughts or questions before we wrap up for the day? Uh, I guess I'd just express my gratitude a final time. I'm uh, so grateful and uh, kind of excited. I feel feel good. I feel, you know, like I've got a, a, a path forward at least. Um, I'm tempted about even giving you my 
Prime subscription. It's a toss up between you and, and Amaranth at the minute, but um, I think you I think you're going to get it. So thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the prize up. Um, much appreciate it. But you know, yes, yeah. uh, you may get you get more of your money's worth from Amaranth. I'm not not sure that you know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. I I I, I just watched the uh, the session you did with her, and other than the um, the zombie dog dream, which sounded horrifying, uh, I, I found a lot of parallels. And I was quite surprised. Interesting. In terms of what... Yeah. Cool. Anyway, I don't want to waste any any of your time. You've been more than generous, so thank you so much. I look forward to watching the vote. Thank you very much for coming on, and and I'm going to let that last comment slide. <laughs> but um seriously dude thank you very much i wish you all the best of luck and uh yeah so we'll uh, our team will send you one or two other things okay after we're, we wrap up today Brilliant. yeah take cool. care man bye thank you bye